inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today sponsored by The Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. One call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, house plants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott, a family milled lumber mill for all projects. See them on Facebook, PR Lumber Walcott. Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com Our telephone number for your questions and comments, 802-244-1777. And here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello. Beautiful summer day, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> it feels like it's going right from spring to summer. They're talking about 80s this week coming up. Say hallelujah. <laughs> no problem there, right? Oh boy. So, um, uh, well, it's, it's time and there's certainly plenty of places to buy sets and, uh, the, uh, um, the Kate Farm sale is on now, I saw and, uh, just about everywhere I go, there's sets, and we're blessed in Vermont to have lots of organic farmers and um, greenhouses that have great uh, sets available. And um, I am making my list uh, for my day at the at the uh, plant sale. So I I just want to say that. Making that list is the most important thing that you can do before you go to the plant sale so that you know that you have room for everything that you buy. So, and you know what you want to buy and you sort of resist that urge to buy something that you don't have room for or, um, or something like that. So I like to go with my list of whatever plants, how many, and I like to know exactly I have room for them. And I just kind of want to emphasize that little detailed list. So I plan to buy um, 24 broccolis and 12 cabbages, 12 kale and 12 collards, and uh, 
that's to start with in the cabbage family. There's a few other that I might have room for, and that might be 12 Brussels sprouts and 12 cauliflower. So you, so the, the, the uh, thing that you want to remember here is that if you buy something you don't have room for it, you've just kind of wasted or else you've, um, you've decided to kind of squeeze things together and, and plant them too close together. So try to keep to the list when you go to the greenhouse and, um, well, resist that urge to buy that 24-inch tomato thinking that you're going to get an earlier harvest because probably won't. <laughs> Unless you keep it in the pot that was planted in and you plan to just keep it in that pot and let it, let it go. So the, let's say you have all your sets and you've kept your list and you're bringing them home. So at this point, you want to keep them in a, in a sort of a shady spot. Uh, not bright sun. You want to make sure that they're watered and, you know, the tender young greens don't get burnt in the sun and, uh, just let them acclimate to your, your spot. Most of the sets that that you're going to buy right now have been pretty well acclimated uh, to outdoor temperatures, and so you don't have to worry about hardening them off. Now, if you don't know what hardening off means, it means that you're acclimating uh, sets that maybe have been under lights or in a greenhouse for their entire life that you're, all of a sudden you're going to put them out into the garden with winds and hot sun and, you know, less than, than uh, the perfect conditions they came out of. So give them a, f- a few days and wait for, if you can, wait for a cloudy day, overcast day, even if it's a little rainy, all the better, and get out there with your slicker on and uh, plant your plants in, in that kind of conditions, if you can. If you can't, well, just make sure you water them well and, and, and make sure that they don't dry out. And so you will have, um, that your, your sets are in good shape. Now, um, when I was talking to Charlotte, we were recording a, a feature and, and I mentioned the word sets and she looked at me puzzled and, uh, um, I said, well, that's what I always call the plant starts. And she said, well, that's what we always called them was starts, not sets. And uh, when I get to thinking of it, it's like, why do I call them sets? You know, starts really make a lot more sense. So I don't know whether you call them plant sets or plant starts, but uh, still the same thing. They're small, small plants. And um, so what you're looking for when you go to the plant sale is you're looking for plants that are oh, roughly six to eight inches. Um, you want a, 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 you know, a modest size plant. Um, if it's tomatoes, um, well, we're not ready to plant tomatoes yet, but if when that happens on Memorial Day, you, uh, I usually trim off the first couple sets of leaves and plant them, uh, down in the ground. So there's only a small leaf set. There's no sense in planting them any deeper than six inches because that's really the root zone 
Um, and that, that'll give the plants the, the, the biggest root ball. Uh, years ago, um, I actually, uh, tried to, um, uh, plant those two foot tomatoes thinking I was going to get a jump on things and I would dig a two foot hole and set it down in there. And, uh, just out of curiosity, I pulled one up, uh, at the end of the season and, uh, what I noticed was there was still the little plant ball down at the bottom, and then there was no roots at all coming out of the stem until it got to about six inches, and then there was a big root ball there. And that's when I realized that planting them two feet deep was uh, useless, was just not, you know, a good idea. Now, if you do, if you're growing your own and you have two-foot sets because you planted them in February instead of April, the thing to do is to lay your tomatoes down in the first part of the day, and and within a few hours, you'll see that tomato plant start to actually head up. And that helps you because what you're going to do is you're going to lay down the stem in the in that six inches of uh, top six inches of soil, and then just let the you know oh, four to six inches of the the very top. You'll strip all the leaves off the stem, and then you'll find if you take the trouble to dig them up later, you'll see that that stem uh, that's laid down in those in the you know the uh, well, it's actually a kind of a biome it's a, a rich uh six inches of soil with um where the roots just like to grow you'll see that there's plenty of nice big root system on that stem that was laid down in those top six inches um so anyway uh when you're when you're doing that um uh, when you're at the plant sale and you're buying those uh, six to eight inch tall um, that's the best way to go. So right now, if you go and you buy uh, your cabbages, all of those can go in now. But those don't go deep. All they do is you basically just keep them level with the ground. You know, the top of the pot goes, uh, you know, where you take the root ball out. You just keep that level. That's sort of, you know, you don't want to bury that. And... Uh, um one thing to watch for, and usually you don't have problems with it, but one thing to watch for is if your uh, if your plants are root bound. If they're root bound, you, the roots are sort of like a hard little uh, you know package at the bottom, rather than nice you know loose dirt and and roots. And if you want to, you can loosen up those roots and give them a little space in there. Um, and put them down in and and pat them up and you don't want to push them down too too hard because you want those loose looseness around the root zone as soon as they're in though you want to make sure you give them a good taste of water um and a lot of people swear by using a little fish fertilizer or a little uh kelp fertilizer liquid uh, uh fertilizers in your mix so you just take a a cup of uh you know somewhat warm, sun-warmed water, and you just pour it all the way around the stem so that the water goes right down to uh, to the roots. And then when you uh, you get them all planted and, and nice, uh, nicely set in, plan to go out and give a little water to each one uh, for the first week every day. That way uh, they'll settle in, they have plenty of water, their roots will spread out, and uh, there won't be any uh, 
uh, any dry spots in there that, and that's, um, you want from this point on, what you're looking for is just simply a steady growth. If they dry out a little bit, they'll set back a little bit. It'll take them a little longer to stretch out. So what you want is that steady growth and a steady supply of moisture and, uh, that, um, that'll get you some nice big plants. I, uh, I'm always surprised because by October, uh, my kale plants are a good three feet tall and, you know, the Brussels sprouts are probably even taller than that, probably four feet tall. The collards don't get tall, they just get bushy. And, uh, those are, uh, um, a remarkably productive green, and we use a lot of collards in uh, in our cooking, so we like them quite a lot. And, of course, kale. We grow um, 12 kales, and it's amazing. Those kale plants will go a good two, probably three feet by the time um, the October comes, and that'll, uh, that'll um, provide you with lots of wonderful greens, and we freeze quite a lot of that. And use as much as we possibly can. So, um, you uh, buying any sets this year, Joel? <laughs> well, I kept thinking of, uh, you know, the time that, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, what you can uh, fit into the garden yep. and what will be used. I keep thinking <laughs> of the year that I bought a dozen kohlrabi plants. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody would eat them except the uh, except the uh, cabbage worms. I mean, nobody. You know, most of the animals, only the cabbage worms. Say, hey, and they must they must have been good Eastern European cabbage worms, like all my relatives, you know, because we all love kohlrabi. But this is years ago when the kids were home. The kids wouldn't eat them. Yeah, the, you know, the wife very politely had a little bit. So the rest yeah. is so. You. So how would you eat them? Do you eat them raw or do you eat them cooked? Well, I like them. I like them steamed, you uh-huh. know, cooked, yeah. and yeah. and I will pour a little horseradish on them. Something mm. the kids would mm. not never. But uh, I, I like just watching them grow too, because they're like little <laughs> Martian heads. <laughs> I, I, but I remember them as being a, a staple. Yeah. In in my my grandparents, no and they were from Czechoslovakia. My uh. grandparents, and there were Polish people and Ukrainian people, and uh-huh. all people from Belarus, from all that area in New yeah. Jersey, all yeah. Eastern Europe. So I thought that this was this was everybody, you know. Yeah. Right. Because right. Like growing up as a kid, then I learned that well, if you go to the next neighborhood, it's Italian, and boy, do they have good stuff, and yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, but, but I grew no, up loving kohlrabi. No kohlrabi, right? No kohlrabi. No, yeah. <laughs> What's the matter for you with the kohlrabi? No, <laughs> that never happened. You know? So, uh, about how big were the kohlrabis that you that you grew? Oh gosh, well, they, the 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 actual the actual fruit or fruit, the actual yeah. vegetable yeah. was about the size of my fist. A lot of them. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, I remember uh, visiting the Stone Barn Farm in it's just uh, just north of New York, and uh, my son took uh, took the family up there, and we went to their gardens. And th- this is not an exaggeration. Their kohlrabi were the size of a soccer ball. <laughs> and I was like, I just stood there, you know, mouth dropped open and just wonder. It's like, oh my gosh, how, how, 
How old did they do woody? that? Are they too woody at that? Because I, I didn't let them grow that far. No, you know? I, yes. I kept picking them and giving them to people, figuring that, yeah. hey, try this out. And uh, most people knew what they taste like in advance and <laughs> did decline. <laughs> but it does well, tell you, we also, um, what, what's, what's the, what, what, tomatillas. Oh, we, tomatillas. We don't yeah. make the salsa and everything, yeah, but I figured yeah. I'd like to see what they look like. Yeah. Well, I had tons of tomatilla and very little, put, put very little of it to use, unfortunately. So your advice is really good. The worst thing you can do is look at a really nice seed catalog with pictures. Oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. I know. I know. And uh, that's uh, that's one of the things that I always say. Okay, when you're making that list, right, start out with your grocery list. Yes. You know, if you don't have tomatillas on your grocery list, well, then don't try to grow it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I also think of my grocery list: ring dings, <laughs> you know, yeah. pop tarts. <laughs> yeah, I never planted. Oh, my green food! I know. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh. But you know, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, if you focus in on what people really like, for example, those, those little golden tomatoes mm-hmm. dried in the desiccator. Yeah, I could have made. A ton of those and right. the kids were eating them like candy you, and yeah, I was can't. too yeah. and you know just for the fun of having things in the garden that you actually use and, and mm-hmm. eat and everything uh, you make the pesto and freeze it oh, yeah. I know you I mean you, oh, you've worked this out to an art <laughs> uh, which is the reason you're the host of In the Garden with 244-1777 our number uh, you know but uh, I've always kind of played around a little bit uh, yeah. but I should, should focus in on the fact that you know, uh, for you know, just planning uh, what what's ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I should pretend that my life depended on this garden because so many people in the world it actually oh, does. Absolutely, and absolutely. Just, just because of the you know of our of the circumstances of living in this great country and mm-hmm. having the resources we have, I yeah. can afford to play around a little bit. But That's I right. think it. Pays to take it all, take it seriously as well. I yeah. noticed the, the people in the community garden in Burlington mm-hmm. do a wonderful job of planting just what they need, and mm. and uh, professional growers like David Zuckerman, who mm-hmm. did have the garden locally, but now he's uh, down in I believe in Heinsberg now. But yep. um, planting on what can make him a living as yep. a commercial farmer. Yep. And that's um, uh, great, greatly admired. But I tell you, if, if you want to list all the mistakes about planting things that you shouldn't <laughs> at the wrong time or in the wrong amounts <laughs> or what would be used or would not be used, I literally could write my own book on what there not to do. What not you know? to do, yes. The, the Garden Book of What Not to Do. By Joel it'll, it'll be it'll it'll be the it'll be the uh, uh, the evil twin of uh, of Ed Smith's book. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it'll probably be under the category of a joke book, right? <laughs> yeah, well, don't do this and don't do that. Yeah, yeah right. Well, uh, that's that's a that to me is what really makes the garden fun is having it useful. And so I have what I call my recipe gardens. Like you alluded to the, uh, the pesto, you know, I make sure that I have the garlic and the, the, the uh, basil and the parsley to make it, you know, uh, we buy the oil and I actually buy the walnuts 
And uh, if the seasons go real okay and and my hazelnuts grow nicely, I might swap in hazelnuts. That that would be nice. I'd really enjoy that to to have all three of those ingredients all coming from the garden. Now, a lot of people use pine nuts that mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. that they buy. Can you grow the pine nuts in Vermont? Not that I know I of. Don't think so, uh, I I've researched it a bit, and it, it's a particular kind of pine, and uh, they're. There, as far as I can tell, there's no pine nut in Vermont. But, uh, of course, you know, I happen to be allergic to pine nuts, so it's oh. not a big deal, and that's why I focus on <laughs> the other nuts. Huh. <laughs> but I use walnuts, and I like them a lot. They're, they're, they're soft, you know, their texture is relatively soft compared to an almond. And, um, anyway, uh, so that's one of my, my garden, uh, recipe gardens that I like a lot, and then uh, of course there's the the kimchi garden, which is oh yeah uh, that's that's a wonderful that's the garlic, and then Oof. I plant the carrots oh, and and uh, the uh, daikon radish and the Chinese cabbage oh, uh, and tatsoi and we all love that stuff. I can't imagine making it uh, at home. Oh, we, we have a e- caller. Yeah, on the, what, we, okay, the phones are lighting up, which is okay. great. So let's go to right. our first caller and. Your first name in town. You're on the air with Peter. <laughs> Peter, it's Freddie from Faith. Hey, Freddie. Call. Yeah. Oh, my question. And I should have written it down last year, but. Hey, Freddie, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, let's try to go closer. I'm in the garden. Oh, you're um, in the garden. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in the garden. We're screaming. Well, come back to the house. Come back to the house. Coming back to the house. Okay. Is it getting funny. any clearer? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and start now. Okay. Let's start over because it was too okay. broken up. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Oh, and I'm getting an echo from the back side of the house. So my question is, what is your ideal garden soil mix? Okay, the what I call the perfect uh, soil is uh, is uh, one third peat moss, one third vermiculite, and one third compost, and that's really a what I would call a garden medium. This is this is good planting a basic planting soil. Now you need to add to that, and uh, what you need to add is a good fertilizer. You know, uh, ProGrow from um, that is readily available here or any other organic, uh, you know, basic organic fertilizer. And, and for a four by four, uh, bed, I use one cup. That's basically a teaspoon per square foot. And then I'll put in a, a cup of lime. Now, if it, it will pay you to do a soil test and make sure that, you know, that you need the lime, that you don't want to overdo it on it. And then I always put in a cup of sea kelp meal, and sea kelp oh. is uh, is uh, is great for a lot of different things. One is it has a, a host of micronutrients uh, from the sea, and it has been shown to be a root growth enhancer. Nobody knows exactly why, but it does promote the root growth in your plants. So I like a cup of that. And then I do a, a cup of a, a rock powder. There's a commercial one called Azomite, which is A to Z mite. You know, it's a, it's a, a powdered rock that gives you, again, a, a, a wide variety of elements. 
So um, that's what I would call a perfect uh, garden soil. Okay. okay. So we're doing pretty well, but we don't add the sea kelp or the um, Asomite. A disease. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, well, that's great. You and so then those, those things we are. We have no worms in our garden. Huh. Uh, We've raised beds. Yeah. And, and is it, they, these are on the ground? On yeah. the ground raised beds? And, yeah. uh, do you have anything at the bottom underneath the boxes or is that, is that open? Well, we replaced them two years ago, and the answer is I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> then probably you didn't put any screen or anything down below underneath or a I landscape cloth. We did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I discourage that, and I know that it's in the Square Foot Garden book. He, he encourages it, but I, I think it's a bad idea just simply because, you know, you, you want that, you want as, as much access to the good old earth as you can get for, for your plants. Um, and, uh, the worms will come. Yeah. You really don't need to do anything else. Uh, you know, I can't think of any reason that they wouldn't be there. Um, maybe you need to dig a little deeper to check. Um, but they definitely will, will come to your beds. No question about it. And unless our you... raised beds are, um, a foot deep. No, oh, so there should be there should be there's plenty of room there for the worms for sure. So how how do you know that you don't have any worms? Well, I'm digging right now. Mm-hmm. I called last week. I'm the idiot who um, didn't plant buckwheat, must have mm-hmm. planted rye. I remember. And so yeah. we're yeah yeah. So we're yeah. pulling all that out right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not um, finding any worms. You're not finding so any worms. I honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out and buy worms to. To put in there because they will definitely come. There's no no question about that. Um, I've noticed, oddly enough, I've noticed that uh, in the compost bin, the the worms really congregate around the the paper that we compost, and they seem to really like the uh, the fall leaves. You know, the the brown crispy. And my leaves. compost bin is full of worms. Yeah. So just. Put it in the soil, you'll have worms, no question about it. Because if it's full of worms, it's also full of worm capsules. So those are the little, you know, um, undeveloped uh, uh, worms, the little worm capsules. So I I wouldn't worry about a bit. I would just uh, grab a a little bit of compost and make sure you put some in each uh, bed. And uh, I remember reading in the Organic uh, Gardening and Farming uh, magazine where they say as little as an eighth of an inch of compost on top of your soil will will reap benefits. So, you know, you wow. can spread it out, uh, you know, uh, around your bed. You can dig it in a little bit if you want to. Um, I, you know, the compost is one of your best soil conditioners. Now, compost is not particularly fertile. I mean, there's usually not a huge amount of nitrogen, uh, but what you want it for is is for the um, you know to to have microbes you know, and microbes and that kind of stuff, and that that's what's kind of key. That's what really helps to enrich your soil over time and keep it alive and active. Um, I would say that. Uh, Oh, I know that they, that people feed worms like cornmeal and that kind of thing when they're doing, you know, their, their worm, 
uh, farms and stuff, but I, I think that you'll do fine just with the compost. Um, you might try, you might try putting straw down. Um, we do put straw around our tomatoes. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, that's good. And you could try, um, you know, uh, in the fall, of course, uh, putting leaves down on top of the soil and then covering it with straw so they don't blow around. That will be preferable to ryegrass for sure. <laughs> By a mile. <laughs> By a mile. That's a hard lesson that I guess I probably should say it more often because I, I was like, I can't do this again. There's no way. My wife's a big <laughs> proponent of, of doing green manures, and I just told her, no more rye. I don't care. We're not doing any more rye. So she got into the uh, clo- crimson clover, and the crimson clover is a delight. It's not only pretty in the garden because it has those r- rich, uh, you know, crimson spears at the top of them, and you can, I just cut it down and lay it down on the bed, and it decomposes so quickly and so completely. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to work with by comparison. And the same thing with buckwheat. Buckwheat's good that way. And you can you could uh, you can also use the uh, the radishes, the field radishes that they. I noticed uh, Agway has a bit of it, and I I assume that. Um, you know, all your garden centers have something like that. And that's a good way to, to break up the soil and send down lots of good, uh, uh, you know, organic material into your, into your soil. So. Hmm. Okay. okay. So this was a, a very educational call. Thank you well, for your good. time. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Freddie. Good luck in okay. your garden. Let me know how it goes. Thanks. Well, okay. Cheers. Yep. All right. Great. Thanks. And you have, um, oh, Karen in where? Hague, hey. New York. Hague, New York. Hey, Karen. How Hi, are you? How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks. And believe it or not, my question was just answered. Because, oh, no kidding. Uh, well, I had called last year and you had uh, suggested the, you know, the combination of additives. Uh-huh. And I have all yeah. of them. Yeah. But I forgot if, how, if it was how much it was of each, so it's equal parts, and that's that's my main question. Yeah. But um, as I was sitting and listening, I'm, I'm also thinking my other issue, I have the raised beds also, uh-huh. and I've mulched around all of them, uh-huh. um, a landscape cloth first, then mulch, and yeah. you know, I, I tried to remove as much sod as possible before you know making those pathways, yeah. but the grass continues to grow up through that. Oh. Is is there any? Um, and I have some cedar logs, you know, boundering. Yeah. But but you know the grass just creeps up underneath and comes through. Uh, I I don't know what to do to. Uh, I've I added black plastic last year around it to um yeah, to, to try to kill that smother and, the grass. Know, yeah. Right. Um. So it, it's you know. But I don't know any any suggestions in that. Just trying to keep the grass from coming mm. back through the through the beds at all. It doesn't seem to be. Once in a while, I get a sprig, you know, a shoot of grass coming up through. I can pull up, but yeah, in the bed itself. Yes, in the bed. But yeah. you're talking about in the pathways, how to keep that right going. in the pathway. Yeah, just how to. So you're using uh, a landscape cloth down mm-hmm. in your in, and, and then I mulch on top of that with uh, what uh, um, bark or yeah, it, well. Um, I did that a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's a yeah, wood 
now, mulch. Oh, okay, yeah. So, All right, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to make sure you weren't using hay because hay is no. just absolutely full of grass seeds. So. Sure, yeah. No, no, no. It's, oh, okay. um, it, right. it is a bark or a you know woody mulch, and mm-hmm. it, it was good for about a year, but yeah. things are starting to creep back in. Creep back so. in, yeah. And, yeah. and of course, it, uh, having the, the bark there makes things a lot easier to um, to weed because mm-hmm. you, you have that down, it, it pulls. Um, I, I'm surprised that, that it's come up so soon. Um, and, uh, you know, some people use the, the little flame thrower thing of the flamethrower for weeds, but that's, you have to use that around on regular old dirt. So yeah, that's not going to work. Not um, on the wood, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's, you know, it's probably more cosmetic than anything as long as it's not coming through my, Beds, it's yeah. not hurting yeah. my plants, so that's that's you know I just have you could, strong growing grass. I guess. You could try a, a thicker mulch uh, would probably mm-hmm. be my first my first thought, and then right. it's just a matter of uh, is it growing in the middle of the pass or is it growing uh, uh, mainly near, around near the, the edge, beds, edge of the beds edges, yeah. but it gets you know pretty thick and you know I, oh yeah 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 so I yeah I was so going to you know, re mulch. Yeah, I'm guessing that when when you put the bed down, probably there was the grass roots right underneath right. where the yeah that's happened to me where it comes up like that. And of course, as the wind blows the the grass seed around, which is mm-hmm. uh, is a lot, it gets stuck in those spots right there. Sure, and, yeah, and just trimming and mowing around that there too. Yeah, yeah, it's only right. about a oh, probably 18 inch. Path around the outside of all the beds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's great, uh, though. That, that's yeah. that's a good amount. And, yeah. Well, um, again, it's not, uh, that it's not path a major around. I've always had to to spend extra time making sure that I pulled out the stuff that had grown into it. I've okay. sort of wondered, well, should I put an etching on here? And I've mm-hmm. gone back and forth on it, and and just never done it. So I end up pulling. Pulling the, uh, it's usually sort of a viney thing that comes in. There. Yes, yep. It pull, you could pull horizontally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. So. And, and I did learn the hard way not to plant uh, mint anywhere near my garden. Oh tree yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that looks like a wiring diagram when you pull the stuff right. off. There's so many roots in there that, mm-hmm. that I thought, oh, this was not a good idea. Yeah, and <laughs> even our raspberries that. Yep. I don't know. They've yeah. They they spread through the lawn. You know, yep. so. Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 Well, but, I mean, of course, it's a blessing that things are growing and growing right. well. You must have really good soil there. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. We're. Well, how was your garden pond, anyway? How how did you did you um, have a good harvest? Uh, did you have any problems? Uh, yes. Very very. Good. I can't think of anything um, that didn't. You know, it was quite variety. I, you know, I have have a list somewhere, but everything (laughs) did well. One thing that visited our garden last year for the first time Uh was that. Awful looking tomato worm. What is it? Uh, oh yeah, the 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 giant horned worm. The horned, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. My gosh, that, oh, the first time I saw that, I <laughs> it's, I, uh, it's Godzilla, I isn't out. it? I'm not afraid of. Uh, no, worms. no. I'm like, what is yeah. that? <laughs> and talk pictures. about what what a beast! I mean, they can eat and eat and eat. I just, oh, like, you turn around and you know half of the plant is gone. Right, they're like the elephant of worms, oh, no. I guess. But there's a there there are. Um, you know, 
if you look for the butterfly, and uh, mm-hmm. you kind of have to check that on, out online because my description will fail. You know, it's uh, you you might be able to see it flying around, but chances are not. You're more than likely just to be introduced to the. Uh, mm-hmm. to the worm itself. And fortunately, it's pretty easy to, to pick and plop it in right. soapy water yep. and say goodbye, yep. you know. It is, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, last year. So between those and, and the gypsy moths that attacked us last year, oh. we, we had fun with picking caterpillars. Yeah. Oh, oh, the gypsy moth <laughs> in your garden? No, no, oh, no. Yeah, but yeah. we do, we also have a Christmas tree farm. Oh. And after they... Had yep. enough of the birches and mm-hmm. oaks and such. They decided mm-hmm. to visit the tops of the Christmas trees. Which oh was, boy, that, that kept you busy. Upsetting. I remember as a kid driving around town, a bunch of us, you know, standing in the back of uh, of a pickup truck, uh, and we had these little torches that we burned them. You know, went around mm-hmm. town, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I remember uh, seeing them all drop out of that little web nest, and yeah. you do have to keep up with them. You know, I do. I, yeah. I hope they. Have. I think we may have a little bout of them again this year. From yeah, it goes in cases. in cycles. You'll have a season of a few years, and then then they'll be gone. So right, right. Well, well, it's always something. But thank you for the show. It's it's wonderful to hear. And I I also was thinking when you were talking with the previous caller and about the cover crops and crimson mm-hmm. clover. And mm-hmm. you'll have to add that song to your show, crimson and clover, over and over. There you go, Joel. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, Jack played, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling. Call again. I guess it's time for a break. Uh, of course, did you hear Jack play the homegrown tomatoes? Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a good song. It's very appropriate. <laughs> All right. Take we'll care. be right back. Yep. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Well, just don't do what I do and plant the uh, buckwheat and say to yourself, oh, gosh, those flowers are so pretty. I'm just going to let them stay there for a while. And then, of course, I had a whole second crop, yeah, unwanted was, crop of yes, uh, buckwheat. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crimson and clover. Crimson and clover. And Brian in Eden. Hey, how are you? It's so good to hear you back on the air. It's, it's <laughs> Thanks, my favorite Brian. time of year. It's yeah. so much fun. Um, I know it. I like the crimson and clover, too. I, <laughs> Wasn't that good? Yeah, for your previous caller, yes. I hate to say this, but after a couple of years, depends on what kind of grass. Yeah, you just got to put in the work. You know, it, yeah. it pop about. I think and she then got mulch it. after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I've been an organic farmer for back like fifty years, like back before it was cool. Okay, uh, and I, I usually get on okay. I love Vermont because of the little micro uh, climates we have, and the you know different minerals, and I, I'm pretty good at adjusting, but I have a really simple question, and I just wanted your advice. I had a friend up from Bakersfield, and he was absolutely horrified at how much wood ash I put in my garden. Yeah. 
I've never noticed a problem with it. Yeah. I'm just curious what your opinion is about wood ash in the garden. Uh, I've never uh, heard it was evil. No, um, the only thing that you have to watch is that you don't, uh, you don't lower your pH too much. You know, if your pH is good, the wood ash is great. You know, our soil is so acidic. I'm not too concerned. About that's that. it. Yeah, I was going to say it's, <laughs> it's hard to put too much lime or wood ash on, on especially uh, blueberry world up here at Eden. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You, good. Okay. Cool. Because he was just like, I can't believe you're doing that. That's toxic. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I burn <laughs> no. weed wood. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, if you're burning coal, you it would be toxic. <laughs> but uh, right. no, you, you don't have any clinkers in there. It's uh, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, uh, of course, uh, disadvantage is that our wood stove it does not uh, is not great for complete combustion because we have a lot of charcoal in our ashes. Yep. And uh so that's yep. how we get our biochar, you know, is yep. is to to spread the uh the wood ashes in the garden with all of those little chunks of charcoal in there and um Great thanks. It, it was just something that never I mean I my grandparents did it, you know. Yeah. I mean I just yeah. grew up with it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> so good to hear you on the air. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Just just the same, isn't it? It's funny, uh uh you know you just have to be careful with that stuff. That's all. You know, you, uh, a soil test every once in a while is a, is a huge eye opener. And um, like I said, my soil test last year, uh, um, you know, uncovered a, a serious problem I had with sulfur. I didn't have enough sulfur, and I grow uh, a lot of the cabbage plant, cabbage family plants, and um, they eat up a lot of sulfur. And you just don't think of it yeah. that that you take a head of cabbage and maybe I take a few leaves and that goes in the compost pile, but the rest, you know, we consume, we eat. And um, so the whatever sulfur is taken out of the soil doesn't go back in. So that's the uh, kind of the idea with uh, using a fertilizer or the um, the uh, rock powders, um, all of those is try to replace those minerals that are actually being consumed in the plants and used uh, in the plants to to produce a, a nice big vegetable. So, I, well, yeah. we took a call off of, mm-hmm. off uh, air? off air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my aphasia <laughs> is uh, slipping in. Yeah, air. That's what we are on. <laughs> We're radio. Uh, I took a call off air, and mm-hmm. uh, a fellow. Pointed out that uh, now where do they grow those huge? Uh, this was in uh, those New York, Colorado. right? Right, New York. That's a zone five six. You know, I, I'm not sure well, what's the name not. of the farm again. Oh, it's the uh, uh, Stone Barn farm. Yeah, Stone Barn. He yeah. said that the chef there yeah. takes those huge kohlrabis, uh-huh. slices them thin, uh-huh. and makes wraps with them. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I've sliced them thin just to saute them and yeah. throw yeah. other things around. Kind of, uh, you know, what kind of like a wrap. Idea. But he said, you know, he slices them raw, uh-huh. you know, and uh, makes wraps with them. That's why he gets them. So, that's why he grows them so big. So oh, isn't that something? That's good. I'm going to try that. I didn't know you could grow them. Well, I'm going to try to. I'm going to do my my best. I'm going to try to push one along. There you go. Yeah, there's, there's there's one other thing that I yeah. that uh, uh, with permission. Well, you haven't given it yet, but I'm going to make an announcement. Today is a special day. Yeah. Oh. 
Today, believe it or not, is World Naked Gardening Day. And really, it is an uh, annual international event celebrated on the first Saturday uh, in May by some gardeners. And I wondered why you were sitting there with no clothes on, but I, I didn't <laughs> know. Well, nice and warm in the studio. <laughs> World, they call it WNGD, uh-huh. World Naked Gardening Day, was founded and organized by a fellow named Mark Story, who was consulting editor for Nude and Natural magazine. I don't get that one, but uh, uh, anyway, Nude and Natural magazine. Also, a fella who is a permaculturalist. Uh-huh. How's that for a job? Put yeah. that as your profession yeah. on your tax form. Yeah. He's a permaculturist, Jacob Gabriel, yeah. uh, as a project of his Body Freedom Collaborative. And at any rate, these guys all got together and uh, decided that one day should be set aside uh-huh. as a World Naked Gardening Day. And it kind of caught on. World National Gardening Day is endorsed by the Na- Naturist Society. Sure. Yeah. Close Free International. That's another group. And the American Association of Nude Recreation. A-A-N-R. You, you heard it here first. Okay. As of 2012, yeah. the uh, holiday has been a collaborative project with the Naturist or Naturist Education Foundation. Yeah. And the first annual World Naked Gardening Day took place on September 10th, 2005. However, in 2007, mm-hmm. the event was moved to the first Saturday in May yeah. and uh, still yeah. takes yeah. place. Uh, well, the the blessing there is that it, it's before Black Fly season because yes. <laughs> if it was during Black Fly season, <laughs> you so, wouldn't uh, stand I don't know if anybody in our audience uh, <laughs> feels the urge to do some nude gardening. Well, I, I would say I that did, one, several things I would not do on Naked Gardening Day. I don't think I would uh, fire up the hedge trimmer. No, no, I think I don't think I'd plant roses. <laughs> no, or um, or I would not. I would not transplant my cactus plants. No, I I, yeah, I think that's probably one too. But I, I you know, I was uh, one of the men of Maple Corners. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so I did my my duty to garden country, and and it's funny because it was just this week uh, we made. Thirty thousand dollars for the the dam committee. Oh, the the, the committee that's. Uh uh, the Curtis Pond Association, the CPA, oh. is uh, is working to get a new dam there, and that's quite a job, you know, because you're working with the town, you're working with the state, you're working with everybody who's on the pond and all those people around the pond. Because Curtis Pond, you know, is, is visited by people in Woodbury and Worcester and East Callis, and people come from all around to to swim in Curtis Pond, and it's. Um, it's now a motor-free pond, you know, uh-huh. so there's no uh, um, no recreation with motors. But uh, you know, it's it's a very old dam, and and not one. Uh, the state is not really uh, uh, anxious to replace a bunch of old dams. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's fairly, but they started and they and they now have a plan and the the money that we raised uh, for um, is uh, is at least giving them enough money to get the uh, the uh, plans done 
and uh, what's the name of the company that did those? But anyway, they 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 made a plan for it and. Uh, well, excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah, and you have a legitimate damn committee. I've interviewed over the years a number of legislators who have referred to that damn committee, but I think they were talking about something yeah, else. This is D-A-M, yeah, damn, yeah. Damn well, World Naked Gardening Day today. As soon as I get home, I'm going to peek over my pretty neighbor's fence and, well, maybe I'll see some real homegrown tomatoes. There I don't know. But at any rate, I just thought we'd mention it and you can look it up. There is such a, such a thing. And before the boss calls. Yeah. I'm going to take our second break and just remind folks that In the Garden with uh, Peter Burke every Saturday from uh, 12.30 to 1.30 uh, sponsored by a number of people that can really help you with all your gardening needs and many other needs as well. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. That's what happens when you plant the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that song? I sure do. I sure do. And, and, and if there ever was a, a perfect mascot for that that song, it would be the giant horn whim yes. horn horn tomato boy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That goes back to the 1960s. Yes. Yep. I'm going to plant uh, eggplant. When, I like my my kids uh, when they were you know little. They're all uh-huh, out, yeah. you know, everybody's out of the nest. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the um, the albino ones, the white ones. We yep. always planted different. We planted you know purple beans and white yep. plants. Yeah. And, right. Right. You know, but they were the white ones were actually very tender and delicious. Well, it's interesting because I, I was studying eggplants, and and apparently the the first generation of eggplants were actually about egg shaped huh. and small, white and cream colored. So they yeah, these that's are why, smaller. That, that's where they got their their name, eggplant. Got and I've okay. wondered, it doesn't look anything like an egg. No, not know. now. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that that was the the how they got their name in the very very beginning. So, <laughs> well, you're uh, you're over in the banana belt. I'm sure you'd have great success with eggplants. Yep, they grow they go pretty well. Yeah. Yep, I have to work a little harder to get my eggplants to grow, but still well worth it. I, I, I've tried eggplants in so many different ways, but, um, I finally just said, let me just look up a couple of recipes and see if I can find something that's real simple. And sure enough, there's this one recipe where you just, you don't, you don't salt them, you don't do anything, you just cut them in a quarter inch slice, put a little, uh, olive oil and fry them. <laughs> and that's it. And, yep. and it's wonderful because that's the best way to really taste an eggplant because you put eggplant in eggplant parmesan or you put it in a stir fry, you know, it's, you, you don't really get the eggplant flavor. But what we like to do, well, we do all of that, the eggplant yeah. parmesan yeah, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, 
I like to fry them up thin in uh-huh. olive oil uh-huh. with a b- bunch of spices, just barely saute them, mm-hmm. and then put them on top of a pizza. Oh. Yeah. You know, you can buy uh, commercially uh, oh, yeah. eggplant pizzas, but if you put your own fresh eggplant oh. on a pizza you make or even a frozen pizza that you buy, you know. Uh, yes, I, uh, we get those, the uh, real terrific flavor. The flatbread, flatbread pizza. Flatbread. That'd be perfect. Yeah, buy I, buy I their five cheese pizza, put your own eggplant on it. Fantastic. So just a little bit fried. Just a little bit, yeah. Uh, just, uh, just, just to get uh, the oil and mm-hmm, the veg- mm-hmm. and the spices on them. You know? I think you're onto something. I'm going to try that next week. I, I make pizza on Friday. Oh, well, I don't wonderful. make it. I bake it. But mm-hmm. um, I always like to top it with something. And uh, uh, um, yeah, that's that's Works the really next good. one. And all the yeah. veggie, you know, I I I, I sometimes when I when I show up with a meatball. Pepperoni pizza, the vegetarians <laughs> in my inner circle say, ooh, you know. But everybody loves the eggplant, even, uh, I, even the meat lovers. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, that's that's it. great. I think, uh, well, thanks for sharing that one. I'm, I'm definitely going to use that next week. But, you know, for your vegetarian friends, you can get this really wonderful vegetarian uh, pepperoni. And that's what I oh, used really? last night. Yeah, and and they're in slices, big slices, you know, like two or three inches across, you huh. know. And I put on, uh, was it six? Yeah, I put six of them fit on one of those American flatbreads. And then, of course, I just top with a little bit of grated cheese just to, to add a little something on top and then, then bake that uh, right on the rack, like they Ooh. say. Ooh, fantastic. And uh, it's, it's really good. It's well, I bet it is. Good. I, you know, I, I know somebody. I would guess that he probably puts blueberries on his pizza, and that would be Forbes. <laughs> Hi, Forbes. How are you? Good. How are you? How's that blueberry pizza? <laughs> oh, I'm pruning the heck out of it. That's for sure. Oh, bad. Good year. Oh, good. Good. That uh, I, I noticed that the, the buds were swelling up real good, and they look great this year. Yeah, yeah, really uh, good. Uh, I got a question for you. I think everybody will be uh, impacted by what are we going to do uh, about the fertilizer uh, program future-wise? Fertilizer program? Yeah, I mean, uh, the fertilizer now has gone from uh, like $140 for a thing to $400 and some odd dollars. Mm, And a lot of it's being produced in other countries other than our own. How how are we going to get around that or replace it or what, what should we do? Well, we're of course we're we're real lucky to have a, a fertilizer uh, company here in Vermont, and I don't know right. if you, you have you ever used them for for your fertilizer. No, I use uh, North Country Organics basically. Yeah, that's um, one I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so there. maybe for years on, on different things. He's done a good job. Yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioned that before that you were, and, and you know, the the downside of having expensive fertilizer maybe is the upside of of encouraging more people to use the organic fertilizers because um, well, too, but you know, it still is uh, almost prohibitive uh, cost wise in any uh, large mm-hmm. thing. Are we going to have to start uh, doing some of our own, you know, whether it's uh, mulching or 
mm-hmm. various other things to try to produce. Well, I I hope so because that that you know for me uh, in a perfect world we'd all at least grow our own veggies and and a certain amount of our fruit. Uh, I can't imagine us being able to grow our own wheat in the in the garden, but you certainly can supplement. Uh, uh, the grain uh, side of it all with uh, with potatoes, and, and uh, you can grow uh, a good bunch of potatoes in a garden. So, all right. yeah. uh, you know, i i have my I have my uh, uh, my list. Uh, the twenty four beds, twenty four four by four beds. Um, we can produce nine hundred pounds of vegetables, which is enough for two people. So, you know, uh, that, that's what I'm trying to encourage is people grow their own, you know, at least their basic vegetables and then, um, uh, then, uh, there's actually, you can grow quite a bit of your own fruits as well, as you know, uh, between, uh, blueberries and strawberries and even a, a grapevine or two. Um, and if you want to grow annuals, there's the, um, you know, the ground cherries and uh, strawberries and that kind of thing. Uh, that's, uh, that's not really that hard to do and doesn't take a tremendous amount of land. Uh, no, no, and I've noticed uh, the uh, pickers or people coming in to pick have yeah. doubled in, in yeah. just within this last year, some yeah. of it because of the pandemic, yeah. they want to get outside. Yeah, sure. But uh, it, it's doubled. Wow. So it, is that what you, you have? You have people coming in to well, pick, or is my, your, are you all picking? question pe- is okay. like other than lime, yeah. uh, what are we going to do if that just becomes so prohibitive on yeah. any large scale? Yeah. Well, how are we going to replace that? Well, I, first of all, you're not going to replace it, but you're going to use less. I think that's what right. you'll find is that people will use less. Um, and, uh, you know, there'll be more reliance on those uh, green manures, you know, the, okay. the clovers, um, you know, for, uh, for the uh, legumes, you know, for the nitrogen fixing. I mean, that's what organic farmers have been doing right along. That's been their, their main way to, uh, to try to enrich the soil. And uh, one of the biggest problems with uh, using just chemical is that you, you basically, you know, you wipe out the, the biome in the top, you know, six inches of soil. And when you, you know, wipe that out, you're, first of all, you're releasing a tremendous amount of carbon into the, um, into the atmosphere, um, and where with an organic farm, if you're, you know, you're building the soil up, you're actually catch, capturing a tremendous amount of, of carbon and, and uh, holding that in the soil, really where it belongs. You know, that's, uh, our, uh, it's been a gradual process. I mean, when I first started reading organic farming and gardening in 1968, you know, they were, uh, espousing organic methods and f- in both farming and gardening, and that movement is huge now. It's it's uh, it's not the uh, the exception that it used to be. 
um, just you know just looking at the, going into the grocery store and how many things uh, from from milk to cheese to vegetables that are marked organic uh, you know even you know even you go into Shaw's or Hannaford's there's a section that says organic vegetables you know so it's not the accepting that it used to be and uh, for my money that's where I would I would bet you know is uh, that's the future of farming for um, for us, um, for us all, and it's a good future. And so, it's interesting. Um, I, I was uh, uh, J.M. Uh, Jack Martin, uh, who is um, up in Canada, and he's he teaches uh, market gardening. And, and I remember seeing him at a NOFA conference in Burlington. That's the Northeast Organic Farmers Association. And uh, I went to one of his uh, seminars, and he started out by saying that <clears throat> the the most uh, important uh, part of his farming endeavor was his biggest constriction, his biggest problem. And his biggest problem, you know, gave birth to, you know, what, what became uh, a well-known uh, uh, productive farm. And uh, his biggest constriction was, in fact, he only had an acre and a half. And when he started to look at how much room it was going to take to turn around a tractor on his acre and a half, he realized there was no way he could farm uh, with a tractor. And so instead of using a tractor, he used uh, one of those uh, BCS, you know, uh, uh, tillers, you know. And he said by using that, he was able to use every square foot of that acre and a half, and it became the most productive, you know, acre and a half um, in, in, that you could possibly imagine. He was doing um, uh, 200 CSAs plus, of course, his uh, plant sales and all the rest. And um, I don't know if you've ever read his book, The Market Gardener, but it's it's really an eye-opening and a very detailed and remarkably uh, good dissertation on on uh, you know why to use organic and how to use organic to uh, produce uh, uh, you know a, a tremendous amount of food. So anyway, um, did I get off track there, Forbes? Yeah, I, I, there's another thing. I had a uh, Fell a laboratory out of Massachusetts uh, called uh, Nature's Enzymes mm-hmm. for plants, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to experiment with it. So I have a separate section of plants. Uh, don't know a lot about it right now, but uh, he wanted me to measure the height and the growth and whatnot, and then apply. It's a, a liquid, uh-huh. eight ounces to a gallon. But uh-huh. I'm experimenting with that with, let's say. Uh, Eight plants, yeah. dividing it up, you know, halfway and using uh, his recommended uh, material. It's. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's it's uh, biocatalysts enterprise. Mm-hmm. Bio mm-hmm. catalyst enterprise. I have to look that up. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting, and this is a liquid form, but. What it uh, being a catalyst? That's that's another real good question. Whether it takes the existing material in the ground and maybe locked up and utilizes them, I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. As we go, but yeah, you can 
Google that. Maybe you can find out more about it. Yeah, I'll see what I can find out. Uh, and but that you know sort of goes back to you know our our you know our worst constraints. This uh, four hundred dollar a bag or a ton uh, for fertilizer is um, you know is kind of an impetus to to start to look at other things. Right. And yep. and yep. because uh, almost all of that is uh, comes from uh, oil, from you know, and uh, it, it eventually we were going to have to figure out how to do it without all that oil. And, right. Uh, well, if we don't uh, don't take a look at some of these issues, we'll become a dinosaur. <laughs> Some okay, would say well, I'm already you. a dinosaur for. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot of new uncharted waters, obviously, in the, in the yeah. growing industry in the future. Yeah, uh, you know, on one hand it's kind of scary, but I, I, I just, I absolutely relish the inventive, uh, the inventiveness of the, um, uh, of the human mind and, um, going to a lot of the NOFA conventions ar- around New England, uh, and even out to some of the uh, Mother Earth News, uh, um, uh, conventions in Seven Springs and then there was one here in Burlington. You see this creativity with people who, you know, want to learn how to farm in a different way. Um, you know, certainly smaller, uh, certainly more productive and entirely organic. And yeah. it's, uh, it's just, if you want to feel hopeful about the future, those are, that's the place you want to go because it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, uh, creative bunch of people. These, these farmers who are finding ways, uh, to successfully no-till, not turn the soil over and to increase, increasingly, uh, uh, fertilize the soil. And, uh, this is sort of, uh, one of those things when they talk about, um, um, you know uh, the carbon, you know, and and having all that carbon up in the air is, is uh, everybody wants to talk about electric cars, and and frankly, I want to talk about organic farming and and getting that carbon back down into the soil where it belongs. You know, well, that's our fuel. Yeah, yeah, it's a fuel, you know, and so you grow trees, you grow plants, you grow, uh, you grow a whole biome in this root system in the soil, which captures, uh, carbon dioxide. And I, I well, think. I mean, that, we, what we've seen too in the, in, in the not so distant, uh, uh past is mm-hmm. a tremendous, uh, influx of cancer. Yeah. In all forms. Well, yeah. The question would be naturally, yeah. where's this coming from? Yeah. It isn't just in the air. No. It's got to be into uh, certain yeah. treatments of our food and, and mm-hmm. what yeah. I believe. But, well, Hick, Hippocrates said it uh, quite a long time ago is that our best medicine is the food. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, on to your next subject. <laughs> Thanks for your time. <laughs> sure, Forbes. Thanks for the call. <laughs> and I'm sorry I didn't really have an answer what we're going to do about $400 uh, dollar, uh, um uh, fertilizer. But I think there's hope there, and hopefully it will uh, – uh, spur on uh, the organic movement, which I think would be super. And uh, so, I don't know. Yep. What else is there? 
Well, I guess uh, we'll have to hold it till next week. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I, but uh, fun I program had today. Had so many things I wanted to talk about. I never. Uh, you know, at some point we're going to have to talk rhubarb. You know that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, mine is seems to be slow coming oh, up. Uh, Do you see it bursting out of the ground? Absolutely. Oh dear. Uh, since uh, I mean, their hand size, you know, leaves now, and of course oh, that'll dear. be two feet before long. So. Oh, mine. Um, well, I'll I bring guess you I, some. I, 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 oh, well, that would be wonderful. I'll, I, bring I'll you have some. to go out there. I was. Just, I <laughs> avoided that corner of the garden because I didn't see it growing. I didn't. I didn't. I well, didn't give want it a little fertilizer, buddy. Uh, come on. I did last. <laughs> I did at the end of the year. Oh, oh well, then you did what you could do. What they, you know, using yeah. the. Um, yeah, what, they, what do you call it? No, just uh, um, the pro grow. Oh, I'm just you know putting fertilizer. it putting it around the mm-hmm. plant. Yeah, yeah, the circle. Yeah, uh, the fertilizer. I forget what the term was in the old book that I used. Uh, there was the drip little, line. Is that what you're uh, talking about? I, I just can't. It can't come to mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but around the plant fertilizer. Yeah, there was a special <laughs> term I used to use. But uh, yeah, aphasia is what is is the term that oh, applies to me. Here, I can't here. remember and the word for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember my mom saying to me, she, you know, side, "Well, she side was, dressing." She I was guess. in her side dressing. Yeah. There you go. Uh, she was in her 80s, and she was like, oh, Peter, I can't remember anything anymore. And I said, Mom, frankly, you never could remember anything. <laughs> and she said, oh, Peter, you make me feel so much better. <laughs> well, I, I know that the key people in my life never forget the things I wish they'd forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I will just leave it at that, I guess. Yeah, your wife will say, I remembered that thing I you said, did. Please, that please was 25 don't. years uh, ago. It wasn't nearly quite, it wasn't nearly as. <laughs> well, we got it though. Side dressing. Use side, side dress it finally, your rhubarb it finally came. with fertilizer. Yeah. And we'll see you. Uh, well, some people might not be doing any dressing today on uh, <laughs> National <laughs> Naked Gardening Day. So everybody, uh, just, I think I'll stick to side dressing. Just, but <laughs> just, just watch out for the thorns. That's all I could say. And we'll catch you next week. Okay. On that note, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Our program, In the Garden with Peter Burke, brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. One call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway, right there on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more. They're in Waitsfield. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. They've got family milled lumber for all your projects and great advice. See them on Facebook, PNR Lumber in Wolcott. By Guy's Farm and Yard, four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it. 
guysfarmandyard.com. Do join us 1230 next Saturday for In the Garden here on WDEV. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of...